This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Welcome to this wonderful edition of Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield of Big Week in Tech this week. Mitchell, we've got big news from Microsoft, announcements from a slew of companies. But welcome. Welcome to our wonderful show. Uh, thank you. You know, of course, uh, I am in lovely Los Angeles, California. You are in beautiful Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because we're in two separate places and we do a radio show together. We tend to look at each other through Skype so we can see each other. I'm going to admit something very sad to you right now, Mark. I was looking at the screen, thinking it was a shot of me with the, with the software over the top, and I could just see your shirt. I was like, I'm not wearing a dark blue shirt. I thought I wore a green shirt. And I was looking at you. That should tell you everything you need to know about how my day is going so far today. Well, Mitchell, you know what? We'll try to make that day a little bit brighter for you to talk about Thank something you. that you like, I which is, that. is, of course, tech and the latest announcements this week and some more stuff we're going to add to our shopping list as the holidays rapidly approach. L- am I crazy? A lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of news, a lot of stuff this week, right? Lots of news this week. It's, it's, we're not even going to be able to scratch the surface, but we are going to try to scratch the surface starting with the surface. Oh. You get it? You get it? Oh, good play on words. I and like you'll that. Under, understand that Steve tease in a second. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Our email address, please use it. On Twitter, it is at yourtechreport. Facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Mitchell, surface seems to be the word of this week. Microsoft held a big hardware media event in New York City earlier this week. The biggest surprise of this show was a brand new laptop the first laptop that Microsoft has ever really produced called the Surface Book. I wonder what they're trying to compete with the Surface Book. Now, this is this is really interesting because this is something people have been asking about since the Surface has become so popular and it's known as a hybrid two-in-one device. They wanted something that was still a hybrid device, but maybe that leaned more toward the high-end laptop. And yes, it's definitely competing with the MacBook Air, the Mac, you know, the MacBook. Tell us about this computer, Mark, and why should everyone want one? Well, you know, the Surface Book is... Uh the very unique part about the Surface Book is that all the graphics and high-end processing is built in with the actual keyboard part itself, um, which allows you to, to unsnap the screen and use it as they call a clipboard, which leads me to believe a couple things about this device, which are uh, as of yet unknown, which is, is this as powerful as a Surface? I don't think so in terms of the tablet itself, but this computer really gets powerful with the combination of that keyboard and the GPU and everything that comes along with it and the screen together in this incredible package and it, it is my mitchell it's lightweight it is it is lighter than the macbook air uh, and they're comparing the surface book to the uh, the high end the higher end macbook pros not even the macbook air well, here's the interesting part. It, it compares favorably to the uh, to Mac's line of computers, whether you're comparing it to the Air or the MacBook Pro very favorably. The one way it, it, it is not compared favorably to other devices is in terms of price. And I think what people are expecting, and I wanted to ask you about this, people are expecting Microsoft to come in, be competitive in the market, and also undercut their competition. The main competition, of course, being Apple. But in terms of price, Mark, they did not undercut the competition because it starts off the, the price of a MacBook Air 
Air, maybe the bottom of the line one starts off the price of MacBook Air, or then quickly goes into pro territory. And I think it's a more expensive device than people were expecting. Am I wrong here? Especially when you configure it with all those high-end specifications, because the starting price point is $14.99 US. That's about $16.99 Canadian. That price point, you're like, okay, this is interesting. It's an, you know, it's an attractive offer, because if you look at the brand new Surface Pro 4, which is a, an, an evolutionary device in terms of its evolution from the Surface Pro 3, starting at a higher price point, add a keyboard, you're almost around that same price point. But once you start adding more RAM, 16 gigs of RAM, a 512 solid-state drive, you're, you're looking at $3,400 US. That's an expensive price tag, but it is comparable with the higher-end MacBook Pros with Retina Display. So it's on and par with that kind of offering. No, you're right, and I just want to jump in and correct something that I said, because it really is starting way past the MacBook Airline, which starts at $899 exactly. for the 11-inch and then $999 for the 13-inch. So we are, for people that are expecting uh, a more competitively priced product, try saying that 20 times fast, they're not going to get that here. But what they are getting, as you said, is a serious piece of portable hardware running all the bells and whistles that, mic- that Microsoft's Windows 10 has to offer. And this is really the differentiating point here, Mark, because Windows 10, as you've always said, as, as as you know, you know, we can only advance so much when it comes to hardware. But software seems to make our devices more powerful exponentially. Windows 10 has done that, and this is a device made by Microsoft that definitely takes advantage of what Windows 10 does best. So if you're a Windows 10 fan, you're looking for a device, you're not looking at Apple to begin with, this really is a cool piece of hardware. It absolutely is a cool piece of hardware. And the, the concept of putting that higher power processing power in the keyboard accessory, so to speak, is actually quite ingenious. It's something that actually uh, Alienware has been doing with their add-on GPUs, and they, they kind of pioneered this with their gaming systems. But they're demonstrating yep. gaming on this laptop. They're demonstrating a lot of different utilities. But it's this it's this terminology calling the, it a clipboard when you pop it off the actual, the actual keyboard that, that makes me wonder how much specification is in that surface itself. Is this a surface itself that adds on a keyboard and power, or is it something that's lower power? And I think that's something we're going to find out more as we kind of dive deeper into it. The other big announcement from Microsoft, obviously, of this event was the Surface Pro 4, which is very much like the Surface Pro 3 in terms of looks, look and design with a magnesium case. But what they've done is they've thinned out the bezel to bring you a slightly larger 12.3-inch screen, which is very noticeable when you look at this device. It is noticeably larger, which, you know, begs the question about other companies and other suppliers thinning out their bezel to give you that same look and feel. It works with all the same accessories. It is backwards compatible, meaning the new accessories that are coming out, the new Surface Pen, the new touch-type keyboard will work with the Surface Pro 3 because Microsoft recognizes how important a segment of the market are those people who bought those high-end tablets that work like a laptop. Uh, I was a little disappointed, by the way. I just want to jump in here and say I was a little disappointed. Of course, I'm always waiting for a traditional Surface that's more accessible to the masses in terms of price point. They just announced, I guess it, was, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we had a new Surface that came out that's basically a revamped version of the previous version. Uh, but again, here we go. Here I am bringing the bad news. It did These things, these improvements did come at a, at a, at a price, and that price is, I, th- I believe, a plus $100 starting point. I believe it starts at $899 now, if I'm not mistaken. It does. For it does. And uh, again, we're getting into an area, it, but people have to realize there are pro devices and there's a traditional Surface line. The Surface line, I believe you can jump in starting at $499 and $599 respectively for the two different models. So there are less expensive options, but Microsoft is not shying away. I think they're taking a page out of Apple's book, which is, look, we are going to charge premium prices because we are offering you premium devices. And I think Microsoft wants to have that sort of that sort of cachet as well, you know, where people just look and say, hey, you know, uh, 
yes, you're paying for something, but we, we are charging more because we're giving you more. And I think Microsoft is going to be successful with that. Listen, the eight ninety nine you know price points, you know, it starts with a Core M model. You're not even looking at the higher end Intel Skylake processors. Yes, you're getting the mobile version. If you want to bump up to that, you're also you're bumping up the price a lot, Mitchell. So it really depends on the configuration of the device and how you want to use it. Also announced this week, Mitchell, were two new flagship phones for Microsoft. Yes, the, Lumias, yes. The Lumias. And and the the binding point is, is really how Windows 10 will work on all these devices. And there are a couple accessories that really are game changers that came out with the announcement of not only the two Lumia devices, which are the Lumia 950 and the Lumia 950 XL, which both have phenomenal cameras. Um, the, they, the XL has a fingerprint reader on the back. Both will recognize you as a person with face detection to allow you to log into the operating system. All these things are features that we didn't know were already baked into Windows 10 that are now being brought to the forefront with the hardware. Um, but their accessory that lets you plug in with a USB 3.0 connector. You can plug in your phone to this little hub that is connected with to a display, a keyboard, and a mouse, and you are using full Windows 10 apps from your phone. Now, think about the average everyday user who uses their phone and might want a laptop or might have a desktop. You can now use your phone as an actual desktop. Now, we may take this for granted on our part in our part of the world, but there are parts of the world, Mitchell, that are mobile only. They don't have desktops. They are a lower infrastructure. To be able to plug your phone in, invest in this phone, and be able to use full-scale apps is an absolute game-changer. And I, and I encourage people, if they haven't already, to check out the um, the Keynote. And if you're an Xbox owner, you can check it out there. You can go to Microsoft.com. You can stream it. They have their proprietary event app that lets you stream the Keynote. I really suggest you do this because unless you see the demo, uh, what Mark is talking about as a game changer, he's absolutely right because we saw them plug in this Lumia. And and when, when we talk about using your phone, your phone doubling as a computer, I know what a lot of you are thinking, like, yeah, but it's not going to be powerful. It'll give you a couple of basic features, browsing the web. No. Because, remember, these apps that are built into Windows Mobile, it's still Windows 10. These are universal apps designed to scale down to a phone and up to a desktop. Their structure, their programming is the same. So when you actually plug your phone into this hub via USB-C, as Mark said, and you are watching and doing anything you want on your computer using Windows 10, uh, tabbing to different windows, opening different software, it's not like it even slowed down. And this is a full computer, uh, full computer built in to a phone, it's crazy. It's not what you think. You have to see it to believe it. And uh, I think for, like you said, for people that can only invest in one new device and, you know, people love to get new phones and new computers every year if they can, but most people can't. It's a great solution. Kind of interested to see how, how the market's going to react to it, too. Well, not only how the market's going to react to it, but let's also think about this whole philosophy that Microsoft is going through. They're in okay. a major transition. This company's been in a major transition since the new CEO has taken the reins and they are focusing on this unified operating system that works on multiple devices. So, as you said, this not only changes the game for us end users, but developers now have one common platform to design applications and apps that will run on any of their platforms. You can design an app for mobile that will work and scale to the desktop level. Again, to repeat what you said, full Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all their native apps completely scale to a desktop mode when you plug this phone into the actual connector. But look how... Microsoft has not ignored the legacy users. It's not like they're saying, okay, we're moving on and the Surface Pro 3 is going to be in the past. Every accessory, whether it be the, the new pen, the cover, the desktop, everything works with your existing Surface and Surface Pro 3, including the charger 
which shows you how dedicated they are to their existing fan base and consumer base and those that have invested a lot of money into their products. And we, uh, we, well, we always like to talk about competition, Mark. And when it comes to Microsoft in this area, in terms of companies that make their own hardware and make the software, this is why it's so important. This is what's made Apple so successful. They're designing their hardware around the software that they engineer and vice versa. Microsoft is the only other company out there capable of doing the same thing. I mean, Google is doing it to an extent, but are doing it on a different level. And, and I see them comparing their, and innovating in areas that Apple is not, such as one unified platform. Apple still separates iOS and OS X, right? Absolutely, and there's no sign of those ever coming together. As recently as an interview Tim Cook had uh, two weeks ago where he said they are not in a collision path. They are going to be separate for the near future, and there are no plans for it to come together. The interesting point about Microsoft is let's not forget that Microsoft and Windows has a giant ecosystem of, of companies that build hardware for their operating system. HP, Dell, Alienware, Acer, I mean, name the companies. So releasing hardware, they're actually competing with their own partners, but they don't (laughs) feel like they're actually doing anything more than driving technology and driving people to excel and do better, which is a very interesting approach because they are at the risk of segmenting those people and say, hey, like, like, why would we continue to build stuff for you when you're doing it yourself? Basically cannibalizing their sales through their third-party partners, basically, is what you're saying, right? Exactly. But, but you know but what they're, they're taking doing that risk? They, they are, but I think what they're also doing is showing those third-party partners, showing the consumer base, look what we can do. Look what we look what our software does. Who better to showcase uh, the subtleties, the, the great things that their software does than the company that actually designed it and is now building hardware as well? And I like the fact that Microsoft is focusing a little more on hardware. This is something they did in the past in the mobile sector. They, they scaled down. Now they're scaling back up. I kind of like it, and I think Apple kind of needs that push uh, to, to also innovate on their end as the only other company that makes the hardware and the software together. So I'm kind of digging where Microsoft's going right now. Mitchell, it is your tech report. I am Mitchell. You are Mitchell Whitfield. I am Mark Aflalo. Yeah, I am Mitchell Whitfield. Stop that. Lots of stuff from Microsoft this week. We're going to post all that stuff to our Twitter. Some great stuff. We're going to get hands-on. We're also going to... I've been reaching out to try and talk to someone at Microsoft to really kind of talk about the overall plans and the agenda for this company in the coming, in the coming years. And we are going to be speaking to someone next week on that topic. Mitchell, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, plenty more news this week. Lots of stuff to talk about. So that's coming up right after this break. Your Tech Report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. This is Your Tech Report on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Mitchell, a very cool interview coming up towards the end of this show. There's an app called CrowdViz that we wanted to bring to our listeners' attention, and uh, for very cool reasons, and I'm not going to tell you any more about it except for that. Lots of news this week, aside from, obviously, the Microsoft event. You know, they did announce that Windows 10 Mobile will be rolling out in December to those who have previous Lumia devices. So if you are a Windows 10 Mobile fan, you will be getting an update for sure. But lots of stuff in the news this week. Amazon held their their Max event, which is their developers conference, and they teased a very cool service that they're going to be launching and trying to embed into smartphones, which is called Monument Mode. Let me explain what monument explain mode is. Explain monument mode to me as your friend. 
I'd let's, like to know. Let's imagine that you're standing uh, in front of the Eiffel Tower and you want to get that perfect shot of that monument, whether it be Eiffel Tower, no matter what it might be. But okay. you're stuck with all these tourists with their phones taking pictures and stuff like that. What monument mode does is using its proprietary technology, it scans and takes multiple photos and learns the environment to get rid of all those tourists from your picture so that you get a perfectly pristine image of that Eiffel Tower without those people. It basically (laughs) erases annoying tourists from your photos. You know what? It really feeds into just a very base feeling that all people have. Who hasn't wanted to erase people occasionally? I mean, you know, without the legal ramifications and the jail time, who hasn't really wanted to erase people in some form or another? Now, photos. I mean, this is great. We have people that are photobombing and whatever. Get them out. I think that's a great thing. I love that. Lots of cool technology always comes out of these Adobe conferences, and we see it make its way into different products. I don't know when Monument Mode might make it to your smartphones, but it is kind of cool. This week, PS4, if you are still on the fence and you haven't bought your PS4, you're going to save some money because your waiting pays off, Mitchell, sometimes. Obviously, price has dropped uh, 50 bucks, I believe. Uh, dropped $50, yes. And uh, the nice part is, uh, normally we hear about these things uh, pre-holiday season. Now we're getting close to, you know, of course, the Thanksgiving slash Christmas or, you know, whatever your holiday of choice is. And um, normally we hear about the price drops coming around holiday time. Well, Sony just announced, I believe, that effective uh, effective yesterday, or depending on when you're listening to us, maybe a few days ago, on October 9th, the PlayStation 4 would drop to $349, down $50 from its original $399 price point. Now, there's even better news here because I have a list of bundles. Now, uh, you know, Sony is still going to be bundling the PS4, and those bundles will also be reduced. Um, for example, for $349, uh, I guess it's effective this past Friday, um, October 9th. For three forty nine, you can get a brand new PS4, PS4 with the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection, which was uh, a remastering of the original three, I believe, um, Nathan Drake games, uh, the Uncharted games, which is a great deal. Basically, you're paying three forty nine for the console and this great remaster of this compilation of Uncharted games. Same price. You're getting the games basically for free and a $50 price drop. There's going to be a limited edition Call of Duty Block Ops 3 edition with a one terabyte a one terabyte storage uh, hard drive for 429 including the game and the larger hard drive Disney Infinity bundle that's going to be 399 so the base price is going to be 349 and depending on the bundle mark you'll pay maybe a little more but you are getting games included the best to, to me the best deal right now is the uncharted collection because you're getting a three remastering of those three brilliant games and a PlayStation 4 brand new for 349 so if you've been waiting now's the time Let's talk about media streaming for a second because people, you know, obviously use their gaming consoles for streaming various forms of media. We're yes. hearing news that the Apple TV and the upcoming iPad Pro will be available for order towards the end of this month because they said availability in October. As long right. as they make you able to order that at the end of the month, then they're meeting their demand. But they're not going to be delivering <laughs> these products apparently until November, which is expected, I guess. You know, when they give these time frames of a month, you normally expect it on the last... It stinks, but it's expected, yeah. Yeah, expected. So, you know, you'll you'll be able to order it, and, uh, of course, maybe you'll be able to see it in store, but you won't be able to get your physical hands on it till next month, which makes sense. This is how they keep the wraps on things that they do. But Roku is one of those media players that we've had on our radar for quite some time. They've had the Roku media streaming stick, which is great for traveling because you can plug it right into that HDMI port. Yep, we both use that, yeah. They've announced the Roku 4, which supports 4K video and new ways to follow favorite shows. So they're taking the lead for many of the other services, such as Amazon or Apple, in terms of this universal search among apps. And they've also taken the opportunity to redo their entire 
app, whether it be for the iPad or Android or iOS. So a whole new interface. But of course, the centerpiece here is that 4K video at 60 frames per second plus New Wi-Fi technology, wireless uh, uh, AC, 802.11ac, wireless networking, which gives you a more stable connection and a better connection. And, you know, you're looking at the Roku. I mean, it's a phenomenal phenomenal offering with that remote that has a built-in headphone jack so you can listen right there. Um, yes, the Apple TV is going to have Bluetooth audio streaming, but you can get similar features in the Roku. You've got the new Roku 7 operating system, and the price point is still hard to beat for $130. No, no, it, it's amazing. And Roku, again, I think they've been innovating in this field, in this area for years, while Apple was getting a little bit of attention for their hobby project, as they love to call it, and we love to always bring up, which is Apple TV. Uh, we're seeing Roku get, make the next leap. Now, it's interesting, Mark. Apple went ahead and announced a product, and this is what's always dangerous about announcing a product before it comes out. Uh, you give other people a chance to sort of plan their announcements and plan their ad, maybe features, software or hardware-wise, to their products when they're going to come out maybe a little bit sooner. So here we have Roku now jumping on in 4K. Now, even if this new Roku 4 did not have 4K, I've been a huge fan. I, I think they're always innovating. Yes, like absolutely. you said, they they were the first ones to put the headphone jack in the remote. Very smart. Very well, pri- you know, very well priced always. But now we're getting 4K video, and this is something Thing, again that Apple has not announced. Now, as we sort of were been, you know, going back and forth about when we talked about it at the release a few weeks ago or the, you know, the release announcement, um, who knows? Maybe that it is hardware ready for 4K and it just takes a software update to activate it on Apple TV. But whether it does or not, we're seeing competitors like Google and now like Roku coming out with 4K and jumping ahead of Apple's latest that has not even been released yet. So, Hey, kudos to you, Roku. One of the questions a lot of people are asking is how does Roku really stack up to the competition? And you know what? With all these pieces of hardware and the platforms kind of being on equal footing, what really stands about uh, stands out about Roku, in my opinion, is they have over 3,000 different channels of content. Okay, <laughs> yep. Now, that may seem like excessive and crazy, but think about the uses for it. They have a Remax University channel for those who are you know, studying to be real estate agents. They have an autism channel for parents and caregivers of people with autism. It's amazing. Um, they have a Jehovah's Witness channel. They have lots of stuff. Plus, they have the conventional channels that you can expect, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. And now, this week, HBO announced that HBO Now is going to be available to Roku users as well. So there's, there's, there's no reason not to get a Roku, in my opinion, quite honestly. I like the way you went into high-end high end questioning voice. You mean high, no, you're high right. Pitch. There is no reason to not do it now. We really have to do it. No, you're right. And let's not forget, and once again, I hate comparing everything to Apple, but since we've been talking about the new Apple TV and waiting for it for so long, uh, remember, Apple TV still does not have a deal in place with Amazon Video. Amazon Instant Video, Amazon Prime Video, no deal in place with Apple as of today. And as re- Roku has had Amazon Instant Video for years. So if you're, if you're an Amazon subscriber, an Amazon Prime Video subscriber, Subscriber, and you have your content there that you want to watch or you want to buy. Uh, it is it is available on Roku and it's still not available through Apple. So another reason to maybe look at Roku if you're looking for a great priced uh, streaming device. If you're looking for a device to stream your music to, there's there's two things I want to talk about, Mitchell. First, okay. Beats has officially this is the first actual piece of hardware the Beats has released since their Apple acquisition. It's the new Beats Pill Plus. So obviously yes. it's a Bluetooth speaker that's available with a lightning connector for charging. It allows you to uh, use, uh, of course, uh, AirPlay to stream audio to it. It's slightly larger than its predecessor, but it's smaller than the Pill XL. 
Um, you know, it, it's got a full-size USB port that you know other devices can recharge from. It's right. got a 3.5 millimeter audio connector. It's a great package, and it's available now with a 12-hour charging time. But let's let's skip that for a second, and let's go to a brand that we have loved since the beginning of time. In this uh, show, I know is where you're Bowers going with Wilkins. this. Oh yeah, Bowers and Wilkins. Now, am I crazy, or did I just read that they have a new wire? Remember their their Zeppelin uh, speaker dock for the original iPhone. This beautiful, and it looks like a Zeppelin. It's huge. It's powerful. But now, Mark, are we getting a wireless Zeppelin? Uh, we are getting a wireless Zeppelin that has absolutely no ports. If you remember this speaker, <laughs> now obviously you're getting premium Bowers and Wilkins sound out of a speaker that, you know, it's obviously the name is based on the way this thing looks. It looks like that old Zeppelin big hot air balloon or, you know, obviously. No, that's um, exactly what it looks like. Exactly. Yeah. But this one ditches the hardware ports. There's no more docking station. It relies solely on wireless connectivity, whether it be AirPlay for iOS, whether it be other streaming platforms that are built into this device. This is a beautiful centerpiece. Obviously, it features a 3.55 millimeter audio jack, so you can still plug in if you need to. But I mean, the quality you're going to get out of a 50 watt, six inch subwoofer, uh, two one inch tweeters, two 3.5 inch mid range drivers all rated to 25 watts in this package that gives you full digital 24-bit, 192 kilohertz sound. I know I'm geeking out a little bit here. Priced at $699, you are getting what you pay for in this package. Oh, no, absolutely. We've been big Bowers & Wilkins fans for years, from the original headphones that we started uh, reviewing, then down to their wireless speakers. I'm just looking at, of course, I'm on their I'm on their website right now as we're doing this because I get so excited about all the stuff that they have out there. Uh, yeah, they, they made the move to wireless speakers a while ago. The Zeppelin is a natural evolution of what they've been doing, Mark. And why is this so smart? Number one, as you said, premium sound is beautiful. Uh, wireless sound is great. No wires not being tethered. But they were known as the premier high-end speaker dock manufacturer. The only problem with the speaker dock is you're relying on the connection being the same. Uh, if you have different phones, that maybe if you were going from 30 pin to lightning, you'd have to put an adapter on there. It got very messy to worry about the hardware. Now that you're wireless, especially with the Zeppelin and all the different mini speakers they're putting out, doesn't matter what device you have. It, it will never be obsolete. Last thing, going back to the pill that you talked about, the new yep. Beats wireless speaker. Here's the thing. I think they put the lightning port on there just as sort of paying homage to, yes, we are now owned by Apple. Yeah, I don't think there's the no only, reason otherwise, yeah. There's no, not only is there no reason otherwise, but I'm kind of disappointed by this because we're so used to micro USB being the, being the standard now. Everyone has micro USB. I know it's considered more of an Android thing to phone users, but still, it is the charger of choice for for everything. So the fact they went to Lightning, yeah, it limits them in terms of accessibility to people that aren't part of the Apple ecosystem, forces them to buy something else. But, uh, you know, it's just a way of putting their stamp on it. I would rather have seen them put the stamp on some, in some other way and keep the micro USB. So if you've been looking for a brand new iPhone 6S and you uh, want one that is SIM-free, especially in the U.S. and Canada, you can get this. You can now order an unlocked phone from the Apple Store in the U.S., Obviously, stock is ramping up in all the stores. If you wanted that rose gold version, you've probably received it by now. One of the honestly, this has been one of the most successful product launches that I've seen stock-wise, and making sure that people have it in their hands in a long time for Apple. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, people, you mentioned the rose gold. People are still waiting for this. This is the one that everyone kind of was interested in. I, I saw it in person. Originally, I wasn't sold in any of the gold phones, Mark. I saw the rose gold in person, not particularly for me. The champagne yeah. gold was still of a big move, you know, to me. Uh, my son got the champagne. Ryan has a champagne gold phone that he loves, and it's actually kind of cool. Rose gold a little bit much, but if you're into the bling bling with your phone, then I guess it's, you know, it's 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 pretty. But I have a question for you, Mark. Yeah. I, I want to talk about, and, and I'm wondering oh, if we can do this. Going. All right, now, are we going to do this as a separate segment after you know, we I finish with the news? Let, let, let's let's talk about this after, okay? Because I yeah. I know where you're going here. <laughs> I, like you, ordered the iPhone 6S Plus, the larger yep. phone, and I have since, and to the shock of the Apple Store representative that I went to yesterday, I have returned it, and I actually got the original, the, the, the 6S, the 6S um, because I felt that the iPhone 6S Plus was just too big for my tiny little hands. Uh, well, listen, it is not you, Mark, because I, I actually have, for my for my height, I have some pretty big mitts on me, okay? In fact, when I went to the Apple store, a buddy of mine works there, and he's a big dude, uh, and he's like, uh, what's the matter? I've never seen any, just like you, no one ever returns the, the, the Plus, the 6S Plus to go back to the 6S, or the 6 Plus to go back to the 6. I said, well, color me different, because here I am. He goes, well, you know, I have kind of big hands, and I put my hand up against his, and he, this guy's like six inches taller than me. My hand was just about the same size. Like, dude, it's not a hand thing. It's even with your big hands, can you reach across there to get... He said, no, I can't. I've gotten used to two hands. Here's the problem, Mark. I, I think we're forgetting that a phone, as it was originally designed, it's designed to be a compact device that flip, sips, sits in your pocket that can be operated with one hand. People forget that. I don't want to yeah. have an iPad mini in my pocket. When they make the iPhone 7 with the same screen size but a smaller form factor, I will jump in. But for now, it was heavy. It was large. It defeated the purpose of having a portable device in my pocket. It was too much. How, how much bigger of screen do you think they can squeeze into a phone of this package? Because if you look at the regular-sized iPhone, you've got this beautiful screen right now, this Display. I find I, I agree with you, Mitchell. By the way, I agree. It's the the 6s Plus was it was too big for me. Too big. It was the battery life was great, but I found that I wasn't using things like 3D Touch to its full potential because yep. I couldn't even reach. You the couldn't reach at anything. That point. Yeah. Okay, but if you look at the phone and, and there's there's millimeters of bezel on the left and right hand side of your screen. Okay, obviously there's more space on the top and bottom. Correct. How much bigger of a screen can they get into a phone this package? I will tell you that, let's put it this way. I think we talked about this last week. Uh, the basic fact that Samsung, their new uh, Galaxy 6 6S plus S Edge. E plus yep. Edge, yeah, and their Note 5 both have larger screens than, they, than the Apple iPhone 6S Plus, but they are physically smaller devices. Yeah. What do they do? They got rid of all physical buttons. I think the home button is probably still holding the iPhone back from being truly uh, svelte and sculpted in terms of larger screen size because they can only go a certain distance down without the, the home button interfering with what they want to do with the screen. Now that we have 3D Touch, where the whole screen basically can become a home button if you wanted to. When they get rid of the home button and they go a little further up top, there is more real estate. Not so much on the side. I think we can see a 5-inch device on the on the current size of the 6 and 6S. They can squeeze a 5-inch screen up from 4.7. And I think if they keep the 5.5-inch screen but cut down the size and the heft and the width of that plus line, they can definitely do it. They can put a bigger screen on the current size, uh, S, and they can put you know a smaller form factor to the same size screen on the plus line. 
let's let's continue this conversation. Let's take a quick break, Mitchell. I want to continue <laughs> this conversation because we know that the next iPhone and the next device we're going to see is going to be a very large shift from what we see. This is Apple's pattern, and there's no yes. reason for them to stray from this pattern. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about what those features are that we want in that device. Ooh, and wish specifically, list segment. Yeah, wish list segment. But I want to talk about <laughs> some technology that Apple has patented recently um, that might help us get there a lot quicker. It is your track report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flallow. Again, on Twitter, it is at your track report, facebook.com slash your tech report contact at your tech report.com get involved in this conversation we invite you to do so we'll be back in just a couple seconds your tech report will be right back welcome back to your tech report for gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. It's at yourtechreport, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Of course, contact yourtechreport.com. I want to continue that conversation, Mitchell. I just wanted just a couple pieces of news I wanted to throw out. Sure. Um, if you have been looking for that Wi-Fi calling feature, especially in the U.S., AT&T has finally released that feature for the iOS, iPhone 6. Um, uh, not only an iPhone 6, but any devices that support it, which is great, especially if you have spotty wi- uh, signal in your home or wherever you might be, whether a garage or business place, you want to enable Wi-Fi calling because it doesn't cost you anything more and it gives you a reliable connection no matter where you are. Uh, yeah, and piggybacking onto that piece of news, uh, we have had people talking about, We're gonna. I know we're going to segue back to our wish list for the, the iPhone 7 because it's never too early, a year in advance to start talking about that, right? Yeah, of course. We have had people talking about, now we know the iPhone 6 and 6S, the battery life is not what people were hoping for. And we did not see an increase in battery life. In fact, we saw a smaller battery in the new device, a slightly smaller battery, but similar battery life. So they're able to squeeze more out of the current battery with the operating system, but we know that people have issues with their battery life. Well, we heard a little trick. We, we got wind of something that's been going on online. Basically, uh, iOS 9 has something called Wi-Fi Assist. I believe it's not just on the newer phones, but on the older phones as well. Oh, yes. And what Wi-Fi Assist does is if you're in a, if you're in a Wi-Fi area, and this has happened to all of us, if you're in a mall where they have Wi-Fi that's not very good, you're in a friend's house, not very strong, Wi-Fi Assist will supplement your Wi-Fi connection with, I believe, 3G with using your data signal, using your cellular signal. So it'll, it'll, it'll enhance your Wi-Fi using your data signal. Now, what does that mean? It means in the background that, number one, your 3G radio is still going on the phone. It's still operating, sucking up battery life. And also, it's using up data to supplement spotty Wi-Fi coverage. How can you avoid this? Well, if you go to settings and you go to cellular, scroll to the bottom, because you have to go through all the apps that use cellular you know, connections, and at the bottom it has a Wi-Fi assist toggle. Turn that off. Not only will you be saving battery life, you will also be saving data. Yes, you might not get the perfect Wi-Fi signal wherever you are, but you're also not using data when you don't know it, and you're also not sucking extra battery out of an already uh, you know, sort of battery-hungry device. So a little, little, little love from the folks at your tech report. Also really depends on your data plan, of course. If you have a data plan that has plenty of gigs and you're not really going to worry about it, but we've had. Yeah, but we've what about the battery? Well, that, yeah, the battery life as well. But you know, I've heard reports from people who are getting massive overage bills because yep. of this, because they don't even realize that they're roaming on to their own data plan, and so they're sitting there streaming <laughs> right. these, you know, beautiful videos and doing stuff. The other thing that I wanted to mention about the iPhone, they put it head to head against a three thousand dollar Canon camera for four K video, and right. the iPhone one over the. <laughs> Canon DSLR in terms of video quality. But let's look ahead, Mitchell, because it's never too early to look ahead. Uh, as course. you know, uh, next year in 2016, I can't believe we're talking about this, um, oh there's going to be a new iPhone. There's going to be an iPhone 7. 
uh, we'll call it that, even though it's like the 10th generation of the iPhone. Yes, exactly. One of the features that you and I constantly riff about is um, is inductive charging. It's wireless yeah. charging, and, and it's something that we've both fell in love with when it was there on the Palm Pre when it first came out. And, yep. and you'd you'd literally would have a coil on the back of the battery cover. It would stick magnetically to this base and it would charge. You never needed to plug anything in. And we've seen inductive charging kind of grow Samsung its pace. Devices, Samsung devices. Samsung devices. Yeah, the new ones do it beautifully and seamlessly. And, and Apple never really delved into it until the Apple Watch. We saw as the watch came out, we realized they're going to need to find a way to not have to stick a port on this. And they're using inductive charging. But one of the challenges about inductive charging is that you need this coil on the inside of the device to kind of marry up to a coil on the outside of the charger. And, extra, and, and, extra hardware, right? Exactly. Yeah. But Apple has just patented something. The patent actually goes back to 2014, but it was just made public. A way to use existing coils. So think of something in a device, for okay. example, your iPhone, that has coils. Well, you have it in your Taptic engine, what provides the vibration and the feedback, right? as well as the speaker and the microphone. Regardless of the size of them, because they are tiny in those devices, they are looking at ways to turn those coils into inductive charging points so that using your existing hardware without any changes or any additions, any any thickness or any any anything other than really software at this point, you will be able to charge your device inductively, wirelessly. Okay. Insane. I, I'm, I'm thinking two things right now. I'm yes. thinking two things. Number one, is this something that we all of a sudden might have a keynote in four months from now, let's say four or six months from now, where Tim Cook's saying, hey, he always says important instead of important or important. He says important. Listen, he's from, yeah. a, some, from an area of the he's, he's in the Midwest. They, they say, exactly. He says important. Uh, can you imagine saying, and by the way, now we are shipping these wireless docks. Your iPhone will now charge inductively. That's great. Uh, it makes me think of that. Is it something they can just announce out of the blue? Or more importantly... Take that, Tim. Um, we don't have to worry now about the next generation of iPhone adding extra girth to it to incorporate wireless charging Correct. because the tech is already built in. Again, uh, is it something they're going to activate? Is it something we're only going to see next gen? Uh, iPhone 7 come here. So, so, yeah, inductive charging, that's one thing we definitely, definitely want. What else? It, what else is on your list? I know I have mine, but what else is on your list? Um, I, I'm sure we share this in common, but we, I definitely want to see a larger screen on the smaller phones. I mean, we talked mm -hmm. about this, and we talked about that, and I want to see that home button go away. I think that fingerprint recognition built into the actual display, meaning you can put your finger anywhere on that screen right. to unlock the phone, is something that is probably by now extremely doable. They've, they've perfected the technology in terms of their Touch ID in the home button. To integrate that into the rest of the screen doesn't, in my mind, seem like too big of a technological feat. Correct. Correct. I, I'm 100% with you. All right, so home button disappearing, a bigger screen. I'm saying for me, uh, in order to be competitive with other devices, and again, they don't necessarily have to do this to be competitive. iPhone, everyone knows, is the most popular phone on the planet. But for me, I see these other Android devices uh, that have minimum of a five-inch screen. I think that's where Apple has to go. We're only three-tenths of an inch away from that right now. It can definitely be done with the removal of the home button, maybe going to edge to edge of the screen without reducing the physical size of the device. In, order, in, in addition to induct of charging big on my list, Mark. 
I want to see I want to see better battery life. I mean, I don't like the fact that we have not seen any gains. And the fact is, we are using our phones for more and more every single season. Every new phone season, as I call it, we're using our phones for more and more. It's now our, our everyday camera and our everyday video camera. It's our everyday communication device. It's our web browser. It, it the I mean, it, it now we're paying for things using our phone or our watch and phone. The device is only being used more. So battery life that doesn't go down that's nice but as we increase our usage it's going to the diminishing returns law will kick in once again and we're going to see decreased battery life they need to enhance battery performance and maybe put in a larger battery as well but how do they do that at the not risk not my problem mark how do they do that at the risk of obviously not changing the other features in terms of the thickness i mean we found on this brand new iphone 6s and 6s plus the actual battery life is slightly different depending on who manufactured the chips inside That's them. right, the A9 okay? chip manufacturing, yes. Exactly. So one is, I believe, Toshiba, one is Samsung. Uh, again, they're both exactly, quote-unquote, the same chip, but manufactured by different companies. But we also found the battery is actually slightly smaller than its previous models, yet it's it's quoting the same battery life. So through software and through enhancements in the operating system itself, they've managed to increase battery life enough that it doesn't make a big difference. How do they get a bigger battery in a device like this? At some point, okay, unless battery technology turns, unless it becomes a hydrogen-powered phone, um, at some point, you, you just can't keep going. You can't go thinner. Well, you mentioned you mentioned software, of course, but the other thing you mentioned was even more important, which is the chip itself. Uh, we all know how Intel has stopped going away from their ultra powerful for their laptop for the laptop lines where they sell the chips to the third party or the OEMs. Uh, they've gone away from going for ultra power to going to power sipping, uh, basically using requiring less power and giving you the same performance. That's the way. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that that Intel is gone. Apple needs to do the same thing. Instead of worrying about, you know, my iPhone six was plenty snappy. 6S is noticeably faster. Yeah. Would you, I would rather have them work on the next chipset or the next the A10, whatever it's going to be. Uh, I'd rather them focus on it being more energy efficient with the same performance with longer battery life, then, you know, I'll give you the board performance with the same battery life. I don't want that. I'm happy with the performance. Give me more battery life. They don't have to make them more powerful every time. Make it battery life. Okay, here's a question for you. We only got like ask a minute me. and a half left, but sure. I want to ask you about this. Uh-huh. Do you want to see or do you see the new Apple Pencil being used on devices other than the iPad Pro? Uh, I think that's something that people would love to see brought down to the entire iPad line. The problem is it's freaking huge. <laughs> Could you imagine using a, a 14, a 28 inch pencil on an iPad? Of course, I'm exaggerating on an iPad mini. The thing you have to pretty soon, it's going to be like a pencil you have to use with two hands. I think the technology has to get a little bit smaller, but I think, yes, I would love to have that tech on my iPad, you know, air two. Uh, why, why should people have to buy the pro in order to get the specificity? See, did I see that specificity of using uh, of using a, a very accurate device for artists and for CAD designers and engineers? I would love to see it come down to the smaller devices. I hope it does, but they also need to decrease the size of that monolith. Do you see the iPhone? I feel like a fortune teller. Yeah, I know. Yes, ask me more. We're going to look back at the show in a year from now, going, <laughs> "What on earth? Were they? Do you see these features? All these things we talked about: inductive charging, larger screen, lack of a home button. Are these things that you think would make it to the next iPhone?" I can almost guarantee you the next iPhone will have inductive charging. It has to in order to be competitive with uh, Samsung, who has based their entire new ad campaign, mind you, for the new uh, Note 5 and Edge 6 Plus 
Uh, they have based that entire campaign on the wireless charging they try and put an iPhone. Uh-uh. Put your, put your Galaxy phone. <laughs> so, yes, inductive charging. Yes, we're going to see a uh, smaller size device. Um, these are things that have to happen, Mark, and they will. It is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. He has his opinions. I am Mark Aflalo. I have my opinions. <laughs> you're asking me. Come I on. know. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying they're bad opinions, <laughs> but I want to know what your opinion is if you're listening to the show. It's contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter. It is at your tech report. Mitchell, coming up, a very cool app for a very cool segment of our audience. Coming up right here on Your Tech Report. Your Tech Report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. And of course, on Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo in Los Angeles, my co host, Mitchell Whitfield. Mitchell, you know, people may or may not be aware that this show not only airs, of course, on Sirius XM, but we have a network of affiliates, including Accessible Media, which is based out of Toronto. And uh, Accessible Media produces television and content for those who are visually impaired. So a lot of things cross our desks, and we try to also cater to, you know, obviously our our entire audience. And there was an app that was brought to my attention called CrowdViz. And rather than try to explain to you what the app does and how it caters to, obviously, that that uh, segment of the market. I have on the line with us right now Akash Kanolker. I pronounced that right, Akash? Yes, yes, you did. Awesome. <laughs> Who are now? Your your title is that you're CEO of CrowdViz. You're the creator of CrowdViz, right? Yep, yep, that's yep, that's what I am. Tell tell me, Akash, what is CrowdViz? Because it, the concept is phenomenal, and it really it's to summarize. It connects people who are visually impaired with people who are not to help them on the day to day. Correct. Yeah, yeah, um, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Um, in a nutshell. But um, yeah, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, effectively, what CrowdViz is is we are um connecting um you know visually impaired um and blind users um via a video streaming connection to um our sighted our trusted and sighted assistants, and um through that video connection. We're able to remotely um, provide sighted help, um, to, you know, you know, to visually impaired users whenever they need it, right? And it can be, it, and there's just such a large array of um, use cases. Um, you know, one of the more popular ones is, for example, let's say, you know, your MacBook, it it just stops, VoiceOver just stops working, right? And the screen just is not reading you the text um, on the screen. So how do you do that? Do you, you know, go all the way to Apple? you know, talk to a specialist, figure it out, or do you just quickly, you know, request for assistance on our app, and you connect it to a sighted person who can help you, you know, fix the issue at hand. What I love about this, Akash, is that you're, you're taking advantage of technology that now every day to everybody, you know, they, people take for granted, obviously, that, that camera on the phone, and you're providing remote eyes to people who don't have the ability to do that. And there's so many other use cases, too. Like, I mean, imagine pill bottles. Imagine, you know, things that are less or more important than a MacBook that may not work, which is really cool. Where did the idea, how did this, you know, start as an idea, and how long did it take to come to market, and where did that, you know, whole stream go? Yeah, um, honestly, it was one of those ideas that kind of just came to me. And when I, it's funny because when I initially, when I initially, you know, came up with the idea, I was like, hmm, this is kind of really crazy. Um, I, you know, I had this idea, I think a little over a year ago. 
And I was like, yeah, this is kind of a crazy idea. The idea of, you know, providing remote sighted help um, to visually impaired people. But um, I pretty much went with it. I was like, hmm, this sounds cool. I should start talking to people about it. And um, I got connected to a lot of people, you know, in the assistive technology space. And it was like a very almost like rapid, like just growth of just people just being super interested by it. Um, at this point, I've talked to hundreds of different vision impaired users over the, you know, over the year. And everyone's like, yeah, I mean, this is just a fantastic idea. So, um, so once we started, you know, really, you know, talking to tons of people and validating this kind of like a little bit crazy idea, we we're like, hmm, this is something we can really do. And um, so we, we, you know, we, we started development and here we are now. Hey, Cash, this is Mitchell. I just have a quick question for you, just so our listeners understand. We're not just talking about assistance with their uh, digital world. We're talking about real-life, real-world assistance, but using their digital products for that assistance, yes? Yeah, I mean, you imagine the video camera as an actual, almost like your eyes, in a way. Right. Right, because the video, like, you know, when we look at the video camera, like, oh, you know, it's cool, you can you can pretty much assess the world around you, but imagine the type of help that we can provide with for people that are blind, you know? Um, for example, if you have your heater there, it's been sitting there for the longest time, and, you know, you put your video cam on it, you can finally, you know, and you're connected to a sighted person, you can finally understand, okay, so this is, you know, you know, clicking this button will do this, clicking that button will do that. So it really is just, there's such a profound set of use cases for crowders, yeah. So, Akash, tell me about, obviously, you're connecting with people who are, you guys call them trusted assistants. How do you vet the people mm-hmm. who are helping those who have? Right. So, um, obviously, so, you know, one, one thing that we, we found really, really important at CrowdViz was um, the quality of help, right? And with that, with, you know, by providing a quality solution, there, there's a lot that comes with that. So, um, we thought that the customer service um, was really important. Um, and so how we frame CrowdViz is all of the assistants that are pretty much on the other line, you know, there to help, um, to help these, you know, different vision impaired users on iPhone, all of them are, you know, they've been carefully interviewed. Um, they've, they've gone through, they've gone through, you know, the hiring process. Um, we're very careful about who we chose, um, to be a part of CrowdViz and helping, helping, you know, the vision impaired community, um, We've we've got we put them through background checks. Um, we've done we've done we have we have a crowdless training. So you know making sure that we're providing that the best quality help um, is is really important to us. So so yeah that's that's what our trusted assistants are people that really you know really care about about helping um, really passionate about the technology that crowdless offers. But also you know they're trained to do this stuff. You know they know what they're doing. They know how to help. Um, so yeah. And they've been vetted. Tell me, how many users do you yeah. have uh, right now with CrowdViz? Um, so you know, we're 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 pretty new. Um, we just released on September seventh, so we've been we've been we've been doing well. We've been getting a couple hundred downloads, you know, each week. Um, but we've been trying. You know, we we're really not as concerned about the user base, and we're much more concerned about um, you know sustaining that quality of service. We don't want to, you know, walk, wake up the next morning and suddenly we have too many users to even assist. You Makes know sense. What I mean? We want it to be a very gradual and positive growth. So, um, as we're adding assistance, trusted assistance onto the onto our service, we also want to add users to our service. And we want it to be a very continue, 
you know, continued positive growth over the years. Well, you know what? There's only the the only thing that you guys have is uh, obviously growth. Growth is the only place that you can possibly expand, and there's so many applications I can see this working, which is very very cool. If people want to download mm-hmm. the app again, you said it's, it's is it a free download in the app store, and then you subscribe to the service. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a free application. Um, we're really big on obviously reducing the barrier of entry as much as possible. You know, we really want to get as many people using it and trying it out and experiencing it. Um, yeah. So when you sign up, you are given eight free calls. Okay, so you really have the opportunity to experiment the application, you know, use it, receive quality um, trusted assistance. Um, and after that, we are doing a pretty much kind of like a prepaid phone um, where it's like a paper call. Excellent. Well, I encourage our listeners to obviously check out crowdviz.org org, or you can check out uh, Crowdviz in the App Store. And you know what, Akash, we're going we're gonna to touch base in the, in the coming months and, and talk about how the, the service is growing and uh, how the use is uh, growing as well. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, Mark, it's it's really cool. I mean, I remember not too long ago, we, we had an interview with the creators of a video game designed to uh, help uh, a lot of Americans that have walleye, right? Yep. Correct. We yep. had that game. So this really continues in that path. And yes, yes, we do have our affiliates that that are, are vision impaired, but there are a lot of listeners all over the world that love to hear about these products, these services that cater to different needs, whether it's vision impaired, hearing impaired. I mean, we love presenting that and it gives something a little different that we can give back to you guys, not your typical cell phones and all the stuff we love, but something that can really help a lot of people. So that you, was really cool. You know, and off the air, we were talking to Akash and he's saying there's a lot of improvements and stuff coming to the app in the coming months so we'll check back in with him in a couple months and see where those improvements are obviously you know in this in this day and age all you can do is improve an app you can add more features to it as people demand for it so it's really really cool mitchell awesome week i mean microsoft big news i can't wait to get my hands on that surface book and the new surface pro 4 i've already have those requests at the microsoft i said that we need a couple to never give back um they haven't <laughs> responded to me it's very surprising I, I don't that's yeah. very strange yeah it's very confusing um some cool interviews up next week we've got some great new products in the line we've got some great hands-on time contact at your tech report.com if there's something that you want to talk to us about we uh, encourage you to uh, email us anytime again contact your techreport.com thank you for being with me this week i appreciate it uh thank you for having me even though i thought i was you with that lovely blue shirt listen we 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 can't all be perfect all the time you've been tuned in to your tech report join us again next week for another edition and be sure to follow your tech report online email us contact at yourtechreport.com. follow us on twitter at your tech report like us on facebook.com slash your tech report for the latest in breaking tech news and reviews yourtechreport.com. what happens when we play outside We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.